Hey, this is uh, the Tell Me About Your Tech Job podcast. Uh, we are part of uh, doing the iTech 350 class this summer, 2023. Today is June 20th, and uh, we have a, a, a Saluki alumni, uh, an IST grad, one of my former students, and now somebody who's doing awesome stuff in cybersecurity and uh, uh, college instructor as well. And this is Jacob Bond. Uh, Jacob is from the northern northwest Chicago suburbs, mm-hmm. um, and he is joining us today. Tell us a little bit about his background, uh, school, what he did uh, during and after school, how he got kind of accidentally uh, involved in teaching, and uh, <laughs> maybe some recommendations for students who are interested in in cybersecurity or the tech industry. So, Jacob, tell us a a, a little bit about yourself. Like, where are you from? Um, what do you like to do for fun? Absolutely. Well, I'm glad to be here, Tom. Thanks for inviting me onto this. Uh, so yeah, a little bit about myself. I'm, uh, I'm up here in the Northwest suburbs of, uh, Illinois, you know, uh, some major, uh, points of interest might be closer to the Six Flags Great America, uh, you know, outside of Gurney Mills Mall, uh, you know, not too far from the city, about a 50 minute drive, but, uh, I do enjoy my time here in Lake Zurich, Illinois. It's been an excellent uh, place to live, uh, you know, and uh, as far as a little bit more about myself, uh, I, I really like outdoor activities when I can get to it because, you know, as Tom, I'm sure you've told your students to death when you're sitting in front of a computer all day, you you, you go to one extreme and now you want to go back to the other extreme on your free time. You want to stay as far away from technology as possible during your free time. And I can absolutely attest to that. Absolutely. So, yes, yeah. happy to be here. Good, good. And I remember you you mentioned the Gurney Mills Mall, and I was telling you about how I used to uh, do work in the northern suburbs when I was in college. And and I remember having a client up there, and and I was wearing my work stuff, but I had worn I'd, I'd accidentally worn the wrong shoes. So I remember having to run into Gurney Mills Mall and <laughs> buy like the ugliest pair of dress shoes for like fourteen dollars, oh, no. just so I wasn't wearing like ripped up sneakers or something like that um uh, that's, that's crazy <laughs> and, and yeah one of the things that you that i that i remembered um so so i have uh yeah i i can i can i can relate to those points of reference um and being outside so i was thinking uh, there was a place that i went to and and it was uh, i was just looking it up i think it was kettle moraine state park in wisconsin oh yeah yeah great place i think i went there once as a kid but you know <laughs> highly recommend it it's big but uh, it is it is vast and it's really neat for Wisconsin. Yeah, yep. I remember that specifically going up there when I was in uh, college because uh, yeah, that was that was one of the things we we like to do too is get out of the city every now and again. Um, so, have you always been interested in technology? I actually have not, and uh, I think a lot of people in tech can can absolutely admit to that too. A lot of us, and I'm going to say this a lot here accidentally fall into the roles we do uh and so you know believe it or not when i grew up i wanted as a as a boy i wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps i wanted to be a pastor you know i went to theology school and i kid you not uh theology school is incredibly hard because you got to learn hebrew you got to learn greek and uh i thought that was complete rocket science compared to the stuff i currently do today have a great admiration for my father uh, but I did pick up some great public speaking skills there, so and writing yeah. and communication skills. So you can't ever go wrong with those skills, no matter where life leads you. Then I wanted to be a cop. That also didn't work out for me, uh, you know. And then I 
decided, you know what, I'm going to go uh, get a certificate in Cisco networking from college and uh, went to CLC, went off to Southern Illinois University because boy, oh boy, do you save a lot of money when you transfer from a community college to a major university like SIU, highly recommend it. Tell my students all the time, it's not so much about where you go to school, it's more about the skills you have uh, for your job. What, they never care about what school you want to, at least it's never come up in any of my conversations. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, I think that's uh, a misconception that I think is um, hopefully kind of, you know, leaving um, kind of the, the general consensus. So. Um, but yeah, College of Lake County, uh, lots of schools up there we're working on getting great agreements with for for transferring um and you're not the first person that i've um that i've i've met that uh that went through theology and then um <laughs> kind of moved to it another path but then also spoke to how how much they gained from from that schooling so um i have another i have a, I have a friend who is um in springfield and he's doing something similar i think uh, or did something similar um so so you um you took cisco and immediately to me when i think the cisco programs at the community colleges i think that's like one of the most marketable skills mm -hmm. sets you can get through a community college and tell us a little bit about your experience um at clc doing the cisco program absolutely well just like your background my classroom looked a lot just like that and my 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 professor brilliant guy and uh, I hope I'm not wrong about this, but I believe he was one of the rare Cisco architects. It's one of the highest um, certifications you could obtain in the Cisco realm. Okay. And I think he was teaching because he was bored, not because he needed the job or anything. And he was close to retirement, wanted something else to do. And the guy was brilliant. I was getting a uh, top-notch education, hands-on. We had a networking closet and mm -hmm. everything from a guy who probably belonged at a, at a much more expensive school that could probably pay him to death. But uh, regardless, enjoyed it to death, just like your classes, Tom, really hands-on experience. And honestly, that's where I got all a lot of my groundwork, initial groundwork for understanding infrastructure, because you know, going back to original question, what, how do you accidentally end up in cybersecurity? Well, I thought I wanted to just go into IT, you know, administration, system administration, Cisco networking is very, very important and uh, understanding how software works. Just, and then uh, after I got my first job as the administrator of that company, after I was uh, graduated from internship, I kept falling into cybersecurity issues. You can't escape them. Once you understand infrastructure, operating system and software, you have to know how to protect them to sustain them for the needs of the business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I won't spoil it and I'll get back to you, but that's eventually how I kind of fell into cybersecurity. And I think one of the things that that um, one of the things that I've been really working on these last couple of years in my uh, my my 228, which is kind of the ethical hacking class nice. um, is is protocols and and making sure people understand how the layers work, because, um, you know, there's there's a ton of cybersecurity that's that's the you know, the personal you know, the, the human element. Um, but when you break it down to the technical stuff, understanding the, the scope of network protocols and how the, just, just how things work from, from the bottom of the stack up to the top is, is important. And, and, and Cisco curriculum gets you that and more, which is pretty, pretty cool. Great base yes. for, for starting out with cybersecurity. Um, so you 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 went through you got your Cisco and did you get the CCNA as part of the the schooling or um... 
I actually did not attempt the official exam, but you know, the, the school does give you a certification because it was two whopping years. That's four yeah. classes. And each of the exams in that class were uh, a former Cisco exam. Yeah. So broken up into four parts and you have to pass those to get to the, the certificate of the class. But no, I didn't go on to do the official thing. Yeah. And I, and I did that. Oh, oh gosh, I probably did that 10 years ago, maybe more, probably more like 13 years ago, I, I took the CCNA and it was tough. It was a really tough exam. Very tough, very um, hard. But uh, in terms of technical knowledge, yeah, really, really tough. Um, and that was just the CCNA. But, um, <laughs> and, and I thought I'd be a Cisco instructor at one point, but I never ended up pursuing that. But, but still a great experience. Absolutely. Um, and so you decided to take some uh, to take your, your credits and move to, to SIU and, and did our IST online program. What was, mm -hmm. what was that like? Were you doing, um, were you working full-time when you were doing school? Actually, I was, you know, uh, believe it or not, for some time I was running my own little media business. It's more like a learning company because, uh, you know, I was a very uh, entrepreneurial type person and I thought I could, you know, have a little fun running some company with some friends and uh, it was good. I learned a lot about business practices and public speaking and technology because we ran our own website and had to secure it. Um, but uh, so, yes, I was working, but, you know, then I actually got my internship because SIU requires an internship to graduate at the time. And I landed at a uh, corporate construction company. And believe it or not, my my professor at the Cisco class, he offered everyone a referral to the Cisco campus downtown Rosemont, Illinois, which are about 50 minute drive for me. Not bad. Right. And he and I went up to him. And I said, what do you recommend? Do you recommend I, I chase after this referral for an internship at Cisco or do I go with this internship job at this corporate com construction company that's being readily handed to me? And he told me, go with the uh, corporate construction job. And I said, really, this guy, former Cisco, formerly worked for Cisco, is telling me to not work for Cisco. And I asked him why. He says, some of these smaller companies will give you the best experience you'll ever get because you'll be the only one there or one of a few people. You're going to be so broad. You won't know what to do with yourself. You're going to get your hands dirty in so many different things. Whereas if you go to Cisco, still not a bad uh, internship at all. I had a student right. who went there and he's doing phenomenal. There might be a more of an app to get you specialized right off the bat. You're going to do one, two, three things. Whereas if, whereas if you go to these other companies, you might be doing a lot of different things. So it's all about what you want, what you need, what you're trying to go after. But that certainly worked for me. And, and I can, I can kind of um, relate to that because I, I've been a, a couple different times working for small companies and, and you're right. When you're the only person that's is responsible for technology, you've got to learn and do everything. And, and even if it's not something you're going to tackle or master yourself, you've got to learn how to reach out to other vendors who can mm -hmm. fill the, the, you know, some of the gaps in either manpower or skill set or time. Um, and that's, that's an experience that's, that's invaluable, um, in technology and, and yeah, I can, and, and fun, you know, I can think of some of the things that, you know, were stressful at the time, but fun being involved in projects and fun being the person to kind of architect and make mm -hmm. the decisions about where the company might put their technology resources and, and what they're going to do. Um, so great experience. And, and you got to do that as part of the internship, um, we did require that internship for a long time. Most recently, uh, we still, you know, encourage internships, but, um, we have a, a formal student, um, 
senior project, which has hmm. taken the requirement as part of an accreditation work we're doing. Um, so, so the internships still tons of people do them. Um, we've got a couple students this semester in this class that are doing internships nice. and, and, and so, yeah, invaluable, um, experience and, uh, glad that you, you had the opportunity to do that and glad that you had, you know, the, the instructor who gave you that, you know, that candid advice, um, because it, it worked out for you. Absolutely. And just going back to that, it all depends on what you're after, what your need. He knew me well enough at the time to say, "You, I've been teaching you for two years now, Jacob. I know this is the route you want to take. Trust me on this. It's going to be better for you. And he was absolutely right. Cool. And uh, yeah, I carried out my internship and I was hired on before I graduated as a system administrator. And then I graduated a year into my tenure at that cons corporate construction company. And uh, yeah. That's where that was. For and, and that's that's one of the cool things about getting the summer internship is so many students end up with that job oh, offer yeah. and you don't have to worry or think about what you're going to do um, leading up to graduation because because, you know, and, you know, not to to say to leave some company high and dry. But if there's something that better that comes along, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's that's. And, you know, you've got another eight months, nine months or something to, to see if there's something that fits you better. And I just got to just uh, really emphasize the importance of finding something while you're in school. I not, I'm not saying it's right for everyone. Some of us have kids, families, other applications. But if you have the time for it, it will always, always work well for you. I ran the internship internship program for my first cybersecurity role at Paylocity, a software company out of Schaumburg, Illinois. Hmm. And um, believe it or not, one of my requirements was to hire them after their internship. The internship was like a test. Did, mm -hmm. Are they good enough to fill associate junior entry-level roles? But before I hired them, I was looking specifically for individuals who worked in IT as a help desk technician or administrator while they were at that school they were going to. And all three of them, I believe, did. I think at least two of them for sure, because uh, I had to teach them less about, you know, customer service. Mm -hmm. That's exactly, it was not so much about IT protocols, important, not so much about operating systems, still very important, but I didn't have to go up to them and say, how do you write an email? How do you converse with this executive or this director or manager? How do you articulate the problem being presented to you? And all of that is really picked up in help desk, customer service-esque roles. Mm -hmm. And so because they did that, they had two years of experience out of college. I considered it raw professional experience. And, and then I said, I told my director, who's now the CISO, I said, they are qualified. He's just like, why? I'm like, they already have IT experience and they passed the internship, three major projects, presentations and all. And he's just like, okay, well, let's hire them. And they hired them. They still work there. That's pretty cool. And, yes. and it sounds like, um, you know, those, so, so the internships that, that we see from these larger, medium, large size corporations that are very, very well structured and established, um, really do focus on your, um, you know, your, your, you as a, a well-rounded employee and not just a geek, you know, and, and that's, mm -hmm. that's huge. And you're not, you're not the first person by any means to talk about, Re reading or writing emails and being able to talk at the level of yes. the person that you're, you know, that you're communicating to. Cause so much of technology, um, is, is being a translator. 
um, especially mm -hmm. when you get up in the higher level roles and when you're working with customers. And we just heard that kind of from one of our um, speakers last week, Stephen. Um, so, so tell us, I guess you've told us about your, your, you know, your, your first job. Tell us a little bit more about that, that role at Paylocity, which was, uh, two and a half, three years, three years. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to tell what, you how it transitioned. What is, what is Paylocity? Oh, of course they are a HRM, HR management software company. Gotcha. So okay. automated payroll. It's mm -hmm. a very popular thing because you get your paychecks a lot easier and a lot faster and you can take time off at a click of a button. Uh, common competitors was ADP, if anyone's heard of that, or paychecks. Yep. yep. Um, and when it came to the transition from IT to cybersecurity, many people see this as a very difficult thing to accomplish. It's even more difficult to accomplish without any IT experience. So that's why I always tell you, as much as people don't want to hear this, cybersecurity is not an entry-level job. It has entry-level titles, but they usually expect at least one or more years in IT so you understand the infrastructure and customer service uh, aspects before they'll accept you or even interview you. That's just the hard truth. Um, so what happened was I was accidentally falling into all these cybersecurity incidents at the construction company because we had no one else. Okay. One of them was a fraud investigation because we used Paylocity at the construction company as our payroll software. And uh, these two employees came to me two weeks after the incident and told me, I'm missing my paycheck. And I'm like, I'm not HR. Why are you coming to me? And they're like, I think it's been stolen. I think I've been hacked. I'm like, oh, okay, let's, let's see what's going on here. I launched the instant response lifecycle to try to uh, identify and contain and, you know, eradicate the, the malicious software. And sure enough, I did find a Zeus banking Trojan, Ooh. two variants, but very similar on both of the employees' laptops. And uh, as small companies, it's not terribly hard to find out how these things happen, but I'm going to tell you, it was phishing. It's always yeah. phishing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, the Zeus banking Trojan was placed in a sandbox and I was able to find out what it commonly looks for. And it had a scraper to look through emails and find credentials, found the credentials associated with their payroll account. They logged into the payroll account, switched the direct deposit, the bank routing and account number over to a green dot bank, which is a bank, international bank, usually associated with African um, based, um, you know, hackers, uh, adversaries, very popular by them. And sure enough, uh, you know, Nigerian hackers were able to change their direct deposit of about two two checks or one check a piece, equaling maybe five to six k, to their bank accounts. And that's a big deal for those those people living over there because that is a that could be a year's worth of salary for them. So highly motivated, highly successful. And then they come to me and they say, "Why did this happen?" I write up a very succinct, one-page, easy-to-understand report of what happened, where, why, and what could have been prevented. That's the follow-up, the lessons learned of the IR life cycle. Mm -hmm. Handed it to the board by manager, but they weren't done. They wanted answers from Paylocity itself. So we drove down to Schaumburg, Illinois, from Rosemont. They met us up at the top of the tower with a you know, director and walks through the door was Abe Miller. Abe Miller was a former senior analyst for their security team. He sits down and he asks a question, who wrote this report? And I sheepishly raised my hand because I was this noob, had very little experience, thought he was going to ask a bunch of questions like, what is this? You know, He didn't say that. He says, this, this is one of the best things I've ever seen. I, no one ever does this for us. None of our customers ever help us. 
he was joking, but then he said, Hey, you want to work for us <laughs> in front of my director, my boss, you know, okay. HR, right. In front of him. I, I took him seriously. Three months later, I applied, got in and I was their entry level associate analyst. And, uh, that's how I got to my second role. That's pretty cool. And, and, you know, you mentioned Zeus, uh, and Zeus, um, was a huge, uh, problem mm -hmm. banking Trojan and, and one of the things um, people may not know is that you, you know, a lot of times the, the almost all the times the, the the hackers are just buying Zeus and then making it customized to yep. fit their needs. So they, you know, they're not doing much more than clicking some buttons and following a wizard in, in some cases. Yep. <laughs> and then they're then they're hackers and they're stealing money. But still, it you know, it's a huge, huge problem and affects a lot of people. So, um, so that's pretty neat. So, so Paylocity, um, what kind of stuff did you do working for them? So when I got there, it was mostly triage because, um, you know, I'm just going to be honest here, believe it or not, a lot of cybersecurity programs are still very immature. Sure. If you look at the CIS benchmarks, um, you know, SANS Institute suggests you aim between level two and uh, level three for maturity. I would say Paylocity was between just after level one, maybe between one and two. And that's okay. This isn't meant to shame any businesses, but that just sure. means there's a lot of work to be done. That should motivate anyone listening to this. This is a very good job to get into. You will always have job security. And there's always so got, room for improvement anywhere. Always, everywhere. I'm sure CIS is going to come out with another four benchmarks, you know, <laughs> and then we'll have to get to level eight now. Uh, but at, at first, I was responsible for delegating incidents to the correct tiers. We had tier one, two, and three. As a tier one, I had to look out via email for any instance reported to us from automated solutions like a you know a sim solution or okay. um, you know maybe users reporting phishing emails. And yeah, sometimes it was boring, but uh, it was it got me a lot of experience just examining what does an initial threat look like? What are the various aspects of social engineering and you know initial access? How does this uh, appropriate to the MITRE attack framework? But most importantly, standard operating procedure. When, you do, when something happens, what are steps one through five on how to handle that? At what step do you escalate it to the next tier? And it, became, it turned me into a very formalized person. And uh, so they say, when you're in the trenches, when you're working those front lines of triage, that is where you get your best experience. And I cannot, I cannot attest to that enough. That was absolutely where I got a great deal of my experience under the people that work there. And, and you, you see a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, you get to work with a lot of people in those triage situations. So you learn, you know, kind of um, interpersonal, you know, how to deal with different types of <laughs> Very people. Very good. Yes. Well said. Um, your documentation, you know, funneling things, getting solutions, follow through, mm -hmm. um, tons of tons of good, useful um, skills. Um, Learning the business too. What are, What is the yeah. important core aspects of the business? Are we more focused on confidentiality, integrity, availability, a mix of all three, maybe one heavier than the others? That's where you start learning. As you said earlier, Tom, how does IT bridge with business? And mm -hmm. security is part of IT, and security is often that bridge. And I had to learn how to explain things. And when somebody reports a problem to you, um, they're reporting what is impeding them from doing their job and their part of the business. Correct. And and, and that's a that's something that I think a lot of times um, when people are first getting into technology, they're they're trying to 
Um, you know, they, they need to learn that technology is an enabler um, and, and that it, it should be enabler, an enabler. Um, and, and it's not, in most cases, the, the moneymaker for the business. I mean, some cases it is, but a lot mm -hmm. of times it's there to serve whatever it is that that business does, even if it's not a business, a nonprofit, mm -hmm. if it's a university. Technology helps you do, you know, the, that organization accomplish its, its mission um, and, and you, you can't forget that as a technologist. Certainly not. Absolutely not. I, I gotta say, um, I learned more about the legal department, human resources department, sales department, the other parts of the, uh, it department, like software development lifecycle at a software company, because I had to be, they joked about it, the face of the, the, the department to, to grab all this stuff coming in in like a like an overglorified mailroom sending it off to the right people in the information security department to handle accordingly sure. uh, but yes no business don't just know how computers work back and forth know the purpose they serve down to the t yeah exactly and 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 that's that's so much uh, that you know that that un being able to understand that and i mean there's there's jobs where people just sit and they code and they just do their one function or they just do their you know but but mm -hmm. if you're wanting to really go up the ladder you've got to understand the whole organization be able oh, to yeah. relate to them and see their perspective um and and you know triaging is 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 going to help you with that for sure absolutely um, so Anything else at, at Paylocity that, that you wanted to talk about? Were there any specific software products or security tools that you got to learn or really kind of developed an appreciation for? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. So believe I, I worked well at, at, at Paylocity. I, I knew what it took to get to that next level, a.k.a. promotion, right? I, I worked well with my managers to find out the needs and requirements. I obtained those skills, demonstrated it by taking lead on instant response cases, solo on the calls, uh, leading not just investigations, but during the preparation phase of your IR lifecycle, what are you doing to enhance controls and various maturities? And so after I was promoted, I had more access into tools like CrowdStrike, one of the most, if not the best uh, EDR solution out there, endpoint detection resolution. And it's antivirus on steroids because it looks more at the behavioral aspects of malware rather than just signature based and this is a uh, a gold standard to any company these days because circumventing antivirus is uh, i'm going to tell you a secret actually very easy for even mid-level uh, adversaries and ethical hackers of course they'll demonstrate it too but what EDR does is it's not looking at the signature, the name. It's looking at what's anomalous, what is weird. Should this be touching the 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 DLLs of Windows? Nah, this never happens. Why is Calculator.exe trying to open Chrome? That shouldn't happen. Okay, mm -hmm. probably not Calculator.exe, is it? And so, um, working in that solution, a a best of breed is what they call it, according right. to the Gartner Magic Quadrant, mm -hmm. was one of the best pieces of ex tooling experience I ever could have gotten because they make that tool very, very well. The, down from the GUI down to the, you know, the very forensics layer of that tool. Very expensive, but it's worth every penny in my opinion. And and I, I was mentioned to you who we had on last week. Our first guest last week was Stephen Fox from CrowdStrike who does oh, wow. IR and and he works on the, um, the Recon Plus and the uh, dark web um, platform of Falcon that 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 
Excellent. That's he spoke, awesome. Yeah, he spoke about that last week. And uh, we've got we've got a handful of uh, Salukis who who are working for CrowdStrike. And that's and, great. Wonderful company. I hear so many good things. Yep. Yep. So um, Paylocity, uh, you're there through through three years. And mm-hmm. and tell us, you know, it's during that time you start this this side gig. Um, tell us about how you ended up being an instructor at uh, at Harper College. Oh, well, it's a it's kind of a funny story. Well, uh, while I was at CLC, um, I I was I was very inspired by Nell Eckerness. That was my Cisco instructor. Um, I felt like like the guy was giving me a better education than I was getting at you know some other classes elsewhere for a lot more money, and I'm just like, he is a clear demonstration at least for technology careers why even community colleges can really hit it home with some of this stuff. And I'm like, I want to do this. I think I could help people too. Because a lot of the reason people don't want to go into these very, uh, I'm going to say high paying jobs is because they look at schooling and they say, I can't afford school. Well, community college will actually make it much more affordable. I'm sure it cut down my total cost by at least 30 to 40% in the end. Uh, and, And so I always kept that goal in my back, right? Um, so I was at Paylocity and I'm just like, hmm, I wonder if Harper is opening to like hiring right now. And I'm on LinkedIn and I'm trying to find maybe who works there because I can message them to see what it's like, et cetera. And I see my coworker down the hall in the networking department as an instructor there teaching the net plus and a plus. Okay. I'm just like, no way. And I messaged him like, hey, what's it like to work there? I was, I always thought it would be cool to kind of be an instructor at a community college. His answer was, it's great. Hey, do you want my job? (laughs) I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, my wife had our second kid and I just don't have time to do this anymore. And uh, I'll need a replacement. And working hard at Paylocity, he saw that, you know, he he saw my attentiveness to detail, my ability to converse well in a customer service manner. And he already knew right away. Yeah, you could do it. So it just goes to show it's very important to work well, no matter who you're working with, you never know where it can lead you down the line. And interviewed twice with the management and directors at Harper, and I I got the job to teach the CYSA+, then the A+, then they asked me to do Python courses, but they needed to be built out first, so I had to build a bunch of Python curriculum and labs. Uh, you know, the SEC plus, the ITF plus, and I'm also building and, and going to teach a public speaking and tech course too now. Wow, that's pretty cool. How did that come about? Just kind of a passion and you decided you wanted to offer it or? I decided I want to offer it because I, I, going back to several points, I see an excessive need for more of a uh, communicative abilities within information security or tech in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said it too. I'm, I'm, I love that there's plenty of geeks and nerds in our industry, and that's not a bad thing. You have to be a, a bit obsessive about technology to be really good with it. What we're not, what we're missing is the communicative uh, communication factor. Sure. Because because I'm able to uh, enunciate well, carry across a very articulated, persuasive idea and concept to not just fellow coworkers, but management, upper mm-hmm. management. Heck, I just had a presentation with uh, our CIO a couple weeks ago. He's like third in command, uh, CyberArk here. Uh, I was chosen for these things because my boss saw right away, I can, I can carry these conversations out, these presentations out. We're missing that. More people need to be able to do that because it can absolutely put you ahead of a, not just other candidates for a job, but 
other opportunities when you do get the job. And so that's where that's going. Highly recommended people do that more often. Very cool. Um, and, and I've seen over the years, some, some of my students who, um, you know, I were, were kind of reserved, kind of, um, you know, kind of, uh, to themselves, um, mm -hmm. know and realize that, Hey, I've got to get out there and, and start applying to speak at some of these local security events and, absolutely, and, and, and just getting involved in the local security community. Um, because there's so many small conferences now all over the country, you know, in, in each, in each city, there's, there's, wow. And, and there's a tons of B-sides and things like that. Oh yeah. Um, and it's a great opportunity if you ever thought, Hey, I'd, maybe I'd like to speak, or maybe, you know, there's, there's probably a venue for you to, to get out there and even, you know, online being able to publish your own stuff. It may not be the exact same as speaking mm -hmm. directly into a, to a room full of people who are live, but it still takes, you know, um, some skills that you've got to develop and be able to be good at. Absolutely. Um, so that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, and, and so anything like any great, like stories or anything that you'd like to share a positive experience, anything specific that sticks out as, as something from, from teaching you'd like to share? Yeah, no, absolutely. There's, there's, there's tons of them, but honestly, there's a lot of people that aren't really realizing the value of a of the career choice of going into IT or some kind of technology role. And um, I approach it from more like of a, an investment standpoint because education is an investment. It costs a great deal amount of time and money and you're gonna be in debt for some time and I'm not, not gonna get into the ethics of that. Um, so it's, it's, it's wise to make a good decision. Will your job allow you to have a good lifestyle, pay off your debt, maybe even start a family or carry out some of your goals. And I see IT as the, you know, the best one, because not only is the schooling arguably one of the cheapest options you can do. I know people that are in IT and tech with just a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. I know people that just do it with a few certifications. I know people with just associate's degree, just a bachelor's degree, whereas medical, great field, not trying to like say anything else about it. It's what is it, two hundred thousand for a PhD and to get into medical school now? Excessive, and you'll be in debt a lot longer. So when I tell these students to think of it more from an investment standpoint, they're not going to school just to learn something. They are going to school to carry out their investment. They feel more empowered, more responsible, more in control with their choices. And now it's less, I'm not bored with this class. I'm here for a better purpose. This is for my purpose, my reason, because IT tech, cybersecurity can get boring. And sometimes there is no way around that. In fact, if you do not like learning or feeling like you're, you're excessively learning, like always a student, right? Mm -hmm. This is not the, this is not the industry for you. I'm still taking classes. I'm still taking training every week. I feel like I'm still learning something new and it's the constant. I feel dumb feeling that you just have to learn to adapt to and, and work with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, you're, you're right. There's so many opportunities to continue formal and informally uh, learning um, through, through your, you know, through your, um, your career path. Um, so many times and we, we talk to grads, um, who are working and they talk about the, the, you know, the, the reimbursement for tuition programs that they have and, and the, the agreements with local colleges that some of the big companies have just to get their students right in there, 
the top of the line to to start taking courses and yep. and and so it's pretty cool and i even heard somebody saying that their their company um will pay for any degree um not even related to technology just wow. to encourage people yeah um and and some you know i've heard of companies um taking on student loans um and and giving you know sign on bonuses in the form of helping to 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 assist with student loan packages you know and, and ultimately it's a chunk of money you use it with, mm -hmm. you know but but the point is um it is an investment and and companies um see that and they realize that and and they think of you as you know you are an investment to them too um and and that's a another thing to to for, for students i guess to realize and 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 you um you know you sharing that with your students i think is pretty pretty darn cool mm -hmm. um absolutely so how did you get from Halocity to where you're at now? Well, first of all, CyberArk. So tell us, um, you, you know, what, what exactly does CyberArk do? Absolutely. CyberArk is actually an identity security company. We are a cybersecurity company, and we have a software suite that follows the principle that we're more about protecting the who factor. The, the account, the secrets of the account, the secrets in the CICD pipeline, the, the software pipeline that enables things like APIs to work or automated sign-ins to work. There's this idea that if you, along the attack chain from phishing email to full-blown, I've injected code into your company or if I, I've carried out ransomware, there are vectors. If you take out these vectors and disable an adversary from utilizing them, you are making it a, a, an instant look go from this to this. And so identity security is very, very effective at limiting the impact of a compromise or breach. It doesn't, there's no such thing as unhackable. That, that, don't ever fall for that. That's a scam. Call them out, you know, uh, pick apart their argument where possible. But what CyberArk is doing is effectively saving companies from breaches that cost, I don't know, maybe hundreds of millions if you live, especially if you live in Europe, maybe even billions getting mm -hmm. fined for the European GDPR. governments. Yep. Uh, to maybe under 10 million, which is again, money is a huge part of risk assessment in, mm -hmm. and impacting the business. You can't escape the, the money question. And so our tool is considered the best of breed PAM solution, privileged access management. It's a fancy schmancy password vault. And inside it, you automate automatically rotate passwords. You can uh, set up uh, least privilege. Okay, I have a Surface account, not just an admin account, a Surface account that is only used for one purpose. It's a sensitive purpose, but it's only used for one purpose. And every month that password rotates. And as everyone knows here, very complicated passwords with lots and lots of characters, numbers, special characters, along with lots of rotation, drastically reduces the possibility that that password will fall in the wrong hands. On top of that, accessing that vault is behind multi-factor authentication, which according to NIST drastically reduces it. I think upwards, according to Microsoft, by 80% of you know cloud-based breaches, SaaS-based breaches, MFA does that. It works. It brings down the risk. It brings down the, 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 uh, consistency of the amount of times it happens. And because of that, per your risk equation, it'll bring down the impact to the business. So we are a very popular solution. 
according to Gartner, we're best of breed. I certainly love it. I don't say that about a lot of solutions. CrowdStrike and Cyberarch are, you know, they're, they're heavy hitters in the industry. Um, and uh, so that's what we are. As to, I'm sorry, I'll pass on to you, Tom, in case you had any questions about more so what the product is. And no, you, you explained it pretty well from, from what I, what I did my, my pre, my, my, my prep work on. Um, it's, it's a pretty cool tool. And it's one of those things that you're probably interacting with in one way, shape or form multiple times a day and don't even have any clue. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, especially with, you know, the, the last, I don't know, six, seven years, um, you've got so many more single sign-on solutions available as just a regular consumer. I mean, it used to be you had Google and you could use your oh, Facebook yeah. to log on to stuff, <laughs> but, but now you've got more opportunities and, and so, uh, and it works better, you know, being oh, yeah. able to hop on one spot and have your credentials kind of securely and seamlessly, um, share SIU's done, um, some, some good stuff, um, to make, uh, things, things work better for us as, as, as employees, um, it's an area that has improved tremendously, um, and it's such an enabler um, oh, yeah. of of other things. Um, there was something I was going to ask and say, but now I'm I'm drawing a blank. Um, darn, you know I hate I hate it when that happens. <laughs> so that the best of us. So so you work um, for CyberArk Arc as a SOC analyst in Tier Three, so one of the higher tiers. Yeah. Um, are you working with internal customers or external customers or both? Internal only, actually. Okay. Uh, we have a service team for handling customers. And that's what you got to know about, uh, you know, what are you contractually bound to in your role? I am actually contractually bound to never speak to a customer because that would that would inhibit the the disclosure agreement between our account managers and the customer. So good to know. I always... If that ever happens, I always say, hey, account manager, your customer's trying to talk to us. Can you do something about it? Happens more than you think. They try to get a hold of the InfoSec team. Say no. <laughs> uh, plead the fifth. <laughs> but uh, in, as an internal SOC employee, the, the, the saying goes, they, we wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. And uh, the wearer of hats means you are very, very broad. You're never going to be very specifically just doing threat hunting just doing instant response, just doing, you name it. It's, there's no just about it. You're going to be everywhere at once, at least until your company gets super, super big and they can afford to keep you in one little pigeonhole. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a SOC analyst, I'm more of a generalized security analyst. When I'm not handling instant response, I am stuck in that preparation phase again. What, am I, what can I do to enhance my abilities to identify, detect, and protect the company uh, when that incident inevitably happens. It's not a, it's not an if, it's a when for all things. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of detection engineering. Uh, now we have a SIM solution. I'm not allowed to say anything uh, proprietary here, but we have sure. a SIM solution. We have an EDR solution. Uh, you know, we have our password vault solution. You should know what that is. Uh, working for the company, I do. <laughs> we have a number of CTI solutions. Uh, for cyber threat intelligence. And all these solutions uh, feed into this general notion of finding and eradicating the evil, whatever that might be. And it's full of a lot of false positives. But in order to get to that maturity level, I have to 
once again, interface with a variety of other departments, even outside of IT. I have to talk to people in, uh, you know, sometimes sales, sometimes HR, sometimes legal. Uh, and my coworker also has to take up physical security sometimes to, to have security cameras around the office, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I'm also working excessively with the cloud teams because as a SaaS company, software as a solution, we have to uh, pay very close attention to where our assets are. And if they're in the cloud, it's a whole different ball game to protect them. And so as I'm interfacing with these teams, I'm ha- doing a lot of presentations. I'm building a lot of relationships. I'm sustaining those relationships. And our maturity is revolving around a program, not, not a script, not a code program. I'm talking about a human program. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cybersecurity is very very, very human oriented because you can have the best controls in place, the highest that you can have CrowdStrike. I know I said that was the best. You can, you can have a billion dollar budget, but if your humans aren't, you know, don't have strong security awareness, a good security Mm -hmm. mindset or um, least privilege as in you're only giving them the least amount of access to do their job, whatever that might be, those solutions, your billion dollar budget will not save you for very long. Someone's right. heads are going to roll. Right. And, and one of the, the, the best examples I think is the, um, of, of that, of that kind of universal truth is, uh, the RSA company, um, oh, yeah. that was breached. Gosh, that was a long time ago, but I mean, RSA, their security, that's, that's what they do. That's, I mean, they are the public key crypto algorithms oh, yeah. after them, you know, and they ended up, losing all well i don't know if i should say all but tons of their intellectual property because um it was like a mid-level manager got an email and pulled it out of the spam to 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 look at it and open the excel that had a you know tainted or you know a malware flash or something like that um and and you you know it's one email it is it's one email that gets through that someone decides to click and open the link or open the attachment. Mm-hmm. And, and the sad thing is, but the truth is that that's how companies get breached. And that's how ransomwares, uh, ransomware happens. And, and I think I, you know, just saw a story about Johns Hopkins um, getting hit by ransomware this last week. Um, you know, one of the, the most prestigious um, research hospitals wow. in the nation. Um, and, and if, if having, you know, a hospital, um, affected by, uh, ransomware doesn't, doesn't scare you. I, I don't know. I, or convince you that cybersecurity is a, uh, a, a, a problem that, you know, is serious and affects everybody. I don't, I don't know. Um, that's why we need so many people that are, that are studying at these good programs and get at community colleges like Harper, um, transferring and getting their, you know, degree from, from SIU or elsewhere and, and getting into this career field um, because it's so necessary. And the ramifications are, are, are huge, not just in monetary costs, but, um, you know, disruption. And um, it's just, it's just, it's, it's scary to see what actually happens today. Um, and, and I did see a stat, but I don't know, maybe, you know, um, you know, the, the amount of small businesses, um, that shut down every year due to cyber uh, attacks. Oh yeah, that that just can't recover. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 unbelievable. Yeah, um, it, it's it's really sad. I think a lot of people don't realize. Okay, 
you, you had a cyber breach and that's okay. No, that cybersecurity is hard. Protection is hard. Adversaries will always have a leg up on you because there's, it's like a needle in a haystack at times. It's never going to be easy. But uh, when it comes to business impact, even after you clean up, put out all the fires and, and kick, the, kick the baddie out of your network, you still have a reputational impact that depending on what you do as a business could affect you for years to come. Yeah. Uh, you know, just look at last year's Octa breach. You know, uh, I, I think everyone can agree that hurt them, their stock, their value, their reputation, the trust they have. Uh, who knows to what degree? I don't work there. I don't know who works there. But I think the same can be said of any company, not just Okta. That's just a very recent example. You're right. Um, and and the reputation cost and those you know things that that drive stock prices that maybe you know there's there's a monetary cost to a breach that's associated with you know punishment or 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 class action lawsuits and things like that but but there's so much that are that that's difficult to quantify but sticks around for years i mean still people still you know think of target um with oh, yeah. their breach you know they that's in in cybersecurity when you think target you could think back to that was it 2015 or something like oh, that? Man. And that huge breach that that happened to them, and and they're still, I think, uh, involved in in lawsuits. And and I can't remember the last cost, but I think I saw it was over mm -hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars. From Solar Winds is still being talked about. Absolutely oh, huge, was... huge lessons learned, case study on that. Um, even from the big players like Slans, they they look at that like a with a magnifying glass. And and again, it's not to say they're a bad company. It's it's to say cybersecurity is hard. What can we do better next time? But the political ramifications from that, because it did impact the U.S. government, the federal Treasury agencies, and yeah, you bet you that this has a lack of trust from American citizens on the the uh, the U.S. government's abilities to protect us, you know, from a cyber attack of some sort. Absolutely, it's it's part of the agenda now. And and when we when we look at those two different examples, Target was more of, I mean, we think was a was a somebody stumbled into their network is what it had. Mm -hmm. thought, you know, was a crime of opportunity. And solar winds was, you know, was was nation state actors? Is that uh yeah, yeah. I you think know? I think we can assume that. And they were going for this enterprise networking tool and and they knew what they were doing. They knew that they were the impact across so many customers, you know, and they knew we had federal agencies using this tool. Um Two different breaches and 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 just just examples of why this is such a hard problem. Um, and I looked up a, a quote. Um, there are only two types of companies: those that have been hacked and those that will be hacked. Or uh, I've heard a, a, a twist on this: those that have been hacked and those that don't know they've been hacked. Um, it's it's a hard problem for sure. Uh -huh. um, sometimes it seems impossible. You know, we as as cybersecurity professionals. You know, you the bad guys need to find one mistake, and you've got to be responsible for preventing <laughs> any mistakes across your entire organization. So it's it's tough, but thankfully, you know, we've got a lot of really smart people. Um, some of them in this classroom will be watching this later, um, or listening to it on the podcast, who are are ready to step up and are working to get their, you know, their skills sharp and and. Uh, and I'm and I'm glad that we've got instructors like you who are are making the point of, you know, the soft skills. So much we hear oh, about yeah. soft skills, and it's something, excuse me, that I think students, um, in my experience, take that 
you know, we, we, we tell soft skills, you got to be able to talk, you got to be able to write emails that aren't in, you know, like you're writing your, your best friend for in seventh grade, a, a text message, you know, <laughs> yeah. you've got to be able to communicate professionally. And, and, um, and, and when we hear people who are out there, you know, in the field, working the jobs that students want to do, like what you're doing, it, I hope makes it sink in a little more. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you with this, this idea of this, this speaking in tech, you know, um, professional communication um, is, is huge. And I, I, I'll be interested in, in, in hearing how that goes for you. I'm looking forward to it. We're starting up uh, this fall. It's scheduled out. It's just a, it's a th- uh, four week course, I believe four days in a row. Okay. And it's, it's aimed at current professionals or people just trying to nail that one single core skill down. And yeah, I, I'm just going to repeat the words of my professor. Um, the reason why soft skills are usually more sought after is because they're harder to teach. All right. I can teach you how to speak. I can teach you how to code and you can just go on Google. You can copy paste code and go at a whole day, but it's much more difficult to pe- teach people to be decent people like yeah. professionals. Yeah. Uh, and so when you're in an interview, you're not just demonstrating, you know, how much of a nerd you are, which don't get me wrong. They want to see that you're passionate about technology. They want to see how you portray your passion. Are you going to, come off as you know, a little bit me, 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 self-centered, maybe a little arrogant, or are you going to come off as a, I am a team player, I'm cooperative, I'm empowering, I like to talk to others and cooperate, because we don't like to say it, admit it, but there is a culture, a company culture, they're hoping you fit in, and uh, you know they want to know, can you work together? We can teach you a lot of stuff. In fact, 90, over 90% of what you learn for cybersecurity is on the job. We pick up our terminology, you know, the basics of technology to foundations in school, et cetera, et cetera. But until you apply it to a live business, do you really, really know it? Say so they want to know, can you learn it? Not so much, what do you know now? What can you learn? What can we teach you? That's awesome. And that was going to be my next question. Kind of what kind of advice do you have for students who are preparing to enter the career field? Do you have anything you want to, to add to that? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think... Um, Kind of just going back to that customer service oriented thing. I know a lot of people say, I don't have any experience. Well, it's okay if you don't have any tech experience before you apply to your first job, but you need to have customer service experience. I worked in retail. I worked as a uh, security guard at a hospital. I worked as a you know maintenance worker at a park district. In all of these things, they taught me discipline, hard work ethic, and the ability to uh, have a good relationship and converse with my boss, you know. And again, those are the things you can't really teach someone. Someone, you just have to acquire it because you want it badly enough. And so don't downplay these other, you know, part-time jobs that you're you're doing while you're in college, getting that degree, you know, to meet that requirement of getting the job. Uh, I would say continue to pursue them and also network. As Tom here said, there's a lot of uh, conventions spinning up all over the U.S. now that COVID has, uh, you know, died down and people are more, uh, you know, capable of getting out and about. Uh, those conventions do, uh, they do a lot, especially for your early career. It, they yeah. get you more acquainted with the people that are in there. And believe it or not, who knows, it might set up a job interview for you. You'll never know who you run into. You'll never know. That is, that is so true. Um, you know, it's, it, people, people talk about, um, you know, uh, coincidences. 
Um, but I, I think that coincidences and, and good luck happens to people who prepare, um, mm -hmm. you know, and good people, you know, people who, who, who are doing the right thing and are working hard tend to have the good luck, I think. Um, Absolutely. awesome. Um, I'm just looking back through the notes I had ahead of time. And I think we, we hit on most of the stuff that I think you had had in here to talk about is there anything else um or or cameron um i didn't say hello when you first joined but do you have anything uh you you want to ask or say to uh to jacob no uh, i just it just makes me realize i gotta work more on my soft skills and learning how to speak more effectively and write emails and stuff like that well that's you know you, you it, being aware of of areas that you need to work on is 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 the you know the 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 jumping off point i think mm -hmm. so um you know and and you'll have plenty of opportunity if you want uh cameron um but thanks for thanks for speaking up um i've got five oh and we've got derek uh derek's joining let's see um derek is an siu police officer hey derek um joining uh we're we're about to to to, to wrap up do you have anything um you want to say to, to Jacob, I don't know if you got a chance to see his his speaker sheet ahead of time, but I thought I'd ask before we ask him the final wrap up questions. No, we're all good. Um, I'll catch you later. I just woke up from working midnight last night. So all right. <laughs> I missed you. I will all watch right. the recording, no, though, sir. All right. That well, thanks for, for showing up. Um, so Jacob, we have uh five questions, five fun questions to wrap up the the podcast. Uh more podcasts than you know, the class. Um, mm -hmm. so and did you ever listen to Paul.com or Security Weekly? Um, Security Weekly at some point, but I've not heard of Paul.com. Paul.com was the name before it turned into Security Weekly. Oh, I think okay. He, yeah. I think he got sued or something. So so I kind of got this idea of the five fun questions from, from that. <laughs> so are you ready? Yes. So what's your favorite kind of food, uh, cuisine, uh, restaurant, anything that uh, you know you just can't get enough of? Uh, Culver's. I love their burgers so much. Huge Culver's fan. Okay. What about their ice cream and, and custard? Oh, I love it too. I love ice cream. My favorite dessert. <laughs> I, I, I can relate to that now. I've got the, uh, the red meat allergy, so I can't eat hamburgers, <laughs> but, um, I'll break out in hives, but I do like oh, no. Culver's with my family because they love the burgers and, and whatever. I thought you were kidding. The red meat allergies. I didn't know that. No, was a it's a thing. I'll break out in hives. It's, it's, oh, it's I didn't mean to thing. laugh. I'm sorry. Hey, it's, it's, it's something I, you know, I've learned to live with. It's, 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 uh, it's one of my many flaws. I can't eat a burger, oh, um, no. but I can eat tons of ice cream. Okay. Um, there you go. Do you have any books or movies, TV shows, podcasts that you uh, have been, you know, really enjoying or digging recently, either personal stuff, technology stuff, anything you want to recommend? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I actually am uh, watching the show Succession right now, and I it's it's kind of raunchy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, Hey, it's a, it's a great accurate representation of the real world, but you know, I can't help it. It definitely ticks off a lot of those corporate boxes that, you know, don't, that don't I can relate to. Okay. I won't, spoil, I won't, I'm only on season three. I'm only on season three. We're on episode three. My wife and I, our kids are at camp this week. And so we've been watching that. We were up through, I think halfway through episode three. So just last night we're watching that. So that's, that's cool. Uh, I, I've As for books, I got to say the cuckoo's egg by Cliff Stahl, uh, probably the best cybersecurity book I've ever read. 
That is a good one. Um, <laughs> that is one from um, the, wait, was it the late eighties? Oh um, yeah. It's Tom Clancy era, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool one. And, and I think, I don't want to say specifically, but I think that one of the, the folks that's heavily involved in that has a tie to SIU. Oh, um, wow. Somebody who I've kind of communicated with and, and I, that's I, awesome. I, I should try to see if he'd be on the podcast and speak to the class. Um, okay. Uh, is there an area of technology that you are interested in learning about more um, personal work? Doesn't matter. It's actually going to be more artificial intelligence and cloud because I'm not saying artificial intelligence will replace an analyst anytime soon. I have a very strong opinion that uh, I'll see it to believe it before that ever becomes a thing. Right. Uh, however, I will say it is here in some semblance. So I am trying to learn more about it, teach more about it at Harper. But because uh, AI is very resource intensive, it's only going to make the cloud space and chip space grow exponentially to handle the the demand for such things. And so I am heavily getting involved with cloud things at my employ place of employment to lead some of the IR initiatives there. Uh, and so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Cool. Uh, what do you think you'd like to be doing in five, 10 years? I would actually like to be in upper management by then. I am always seeking out leadership opportunities. I am leading a lot of technology and, uh, sorry, technology projects, I should say, initiatives. So sometimes people use the word uh, tech lead, whereas they are given a program, a piece of technology or, or a, a project that they have to lead, but they don't have direct reports like a manager would. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of those next steps I would like to take because I have a strong passion for risk management and risk management is the is the bridge between why does business care about the upkeep and sustainability and security of technology? Why should they care? And yeah. being able to explain that is very important and cool. Awesome. And I and I have no doubt that we'll see you in one of those upper management roles probably even <laughs> sooner than five years. So I hope so. It's a it's a long road. Um, last question. If you could retire today and do anything you want, what would you do? Money's no object. Oh, wow. Be a park ranger for Yosemite or, or Yellowstone easily. I love nature. And uh, I'm just going to say it. Uh, when you go into technology, technology burns you out. You do not Man. like to do much of it on the weekends. You like to get away with it. Even my optometrist makes fun of me a lot. He's like, You're, you must work in IT because your eyes are horrible. I'm like, yeah, they're bad. So I love nature. I like you know animals and stuff like that. And that's where it would be. And and you might take a look at. Book. <laughs> Have you seen this one? Uh, no, but that title makes me laugh. <laughs> that's that's the textbook we use for this class. It might be something you'd uh, uh, should probably you know, look into that. Surviving it's, it, IT. It's it's it talks about burnout. You know, burnout's something the industry's been talking about for a long time. Oh um, uh, yeah. So there's a lot of people leaving the industry as much as people are joining to get in. I wonder if that's contributing to this never-ending uh, personnel gap for cybersecurity. <laughs> yeah. I think there's uh, there's a lot of a lot of stuff we we won't get yeah. into it unfortunately <laughs> but the one thing we will close is is you know as you as as anybody listening can speak to or or can 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 see you know the career field is hot um you've you've demonstrated your passion for it in this talk um and and your passion for for helping uh students and and technologists just become better more well-rounded communicators. Um, I think that's awesome. Um, really uh, appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us. Um, and and uh, again, I, I, I learned a ton. 
um, and prep preparing for this, learning about CyberArk and um, neat stuff. Um, you're doing very cool things. It, I'm, I'm proud to have had you as a, as a student and, and, and as an, a Saluki alum. Um, I tell everybody Salukis are so generous with their time and expertise, um, at least in my experience. So thank you. Um, any, anything to, to end on? Anything last that you want to say? Yeah, it's been such a pleasure. And yes, Lukies have the best mascot too. And I was really, it was really funny that we, we pummeled Northwestern last year. I was cracking up when I saw that football game, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we got to stay versatile because technology is evolving every month. And guess what? If you don't stay versatile and on your toes, uh, you know, IT could eat you up and chew, spit you up and chew you out, you know, uh, I mean, switch those around, <laughs> but uh, never regretted it. Never regretted it going into this industry. Awesome. Thank you very much.